0: Havili was magic, the
1: shift on for Crotty, boom, far down you go, Quark Smith, me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show. I'm your host Harry and on tonight's menu we're going to review all the Draft Rugby Round 5 action, look ahead and preview the fixes this week in Round 6 and for dessert we're going to compare the value of fantasy positions between 2020 and 2021. This week, I'm joined by my brother, Nelson. Nelson, how are you? Can't complain, mate. Sitting on top of the table. So five from five. I mean, it's a long time coming. If the Waratahs' development takes half, as long as your, your return to form does, we're all dead. The rugby rugby in New South Wales is never coming back. And uh, more importantly, Kagi's absence. Once again, you know the fans have requested it, so we haven't invited him on. It's also, because I beat him, he's quite scared. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to hear your banter. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've got friend of the pod, uh, Mitch Evans from the Rugby Fixation Podcast. Mitch, how you going?
0: Yeah, very good. Thanks, guys. Uh, recovering from a two-day bucks. Uh, one of my mates. <laughs> um, so did a bit of a mad dash to watch all the rugby over the last probably twenty-four hours. But um, I loved every minute of it, and. Uh, my team's top of the table too, five from five, but it's the Reds, not my fantasy team, doing a pretty shocking <laughs> at the moment. And uh, Mitch, for I think
1: most of our listeners are probably listening to Rugby Fixation. It sounds like it's going gangbusters for you at the moment, but it's an excellent, excellent podcast. My particular favorite episode was the one on James Marshall. I just thought the uh, the insight you provided into his career, I thought was absolutely excellent. And
0: uh, I've been really, really enjoying your your podcast as well. Cheers, oh, mate. It's been great to have uh, guests on different podcasts, different rugby players. Um, James Walsh just spoke so eloquently and I saw him with the uh, full kit here, yeah, the headphones and microphone. I'm like, I've got to set my game up because his, uh, his Bob was really putting mine to shame. But yeah, I loved having him on and I loved having you guys on my podcast as well. Yeah. It, was,
1: it was a pleasure. Yeah, it's definitely good, mate. I appreciated it. Let's uh, let's kick into the entree. So this week we had buyers to both the Rebels and the Crusaders. We'll tuck into Super Rugby AU first. So, Nels, how about you get into the first game of the week?
2: Yeah, look, I think this is something I expected the Brumbies to break away in this one. The the force have put up a good fight recently, but I think the Brumbies were just a class above them. They, they took this six tries to two, 42 points to 14. In terms of the injuries, we had the return of James Slipper they're missing a lot of props, so this is pretty important,
1: returning from his MCL. Yeah, he was back in like three weeks, and they were talking about a middle-grade MCL injury, which is Rushed. normally like, yeah, minimum four, maximum six weeks. So that's a really, really quick return, I think it speaks to the desperation of that front row. Yeah, they had no props. I think they had, what, two debutantes, didn't they, on the weekend yeah, as well? Kiwi boys that they, they
2: you know... Got got across a, a couple of weeks ago. In terms of the new injuries, we had Jerome Brown with his shoulder injury.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't a shoulder dislocation. They were palpating or they were pushing and prodding around the back of the shoulder blade, and they had the ice pack ice pack really, really high. I wonder if he hasn't done a done a collarbone or on his shoulder blade and had a bit of an odd fracture, a little bit like what Ben McCalman used to have. So it just looked a bit of an odd one, and I'd, I'd keep my eyes out to see what comes through on that one. Looked serious. Yeah. Old man uh,
2: Jeremy Thrush,
1: he was out with a late uh, withdrawal for
2: an ankle injury. Um, Jake McIntyre with a hammy and Greg Holmes uh,
1: with a rib. Yeah, he was pushing in a scrum and he came up holding his rib. So yeah. I don't know what he's done there, but it looked pretty Age Ages getting to the force, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Possession for this one and territory I, it was just so dominated by the Brumbies in the first half. First half, you had the Brums with 67% possession, 84% territory. They were just camped on their line the entire time, whereas the second half, the force came back and had, you know, a slight advantage, 56 55%. Um,
0: Mitch, what do you think about the game for this one? Well, I think um, the territory and possession stats really stood out. Like just watching that game, I was like, that first half Brumbies look so dominant. I thought Force had a little bit of ball, but they just did nothing with it. I don't think they had any sets of phases uh, where they could string sort of four or five uh, phases together. Um, and the stat that came up that was probably the most telling was that they didn't have the ball in the Brumbies 22 until the 43rd minute. So, like, to not even hold the ball in the Brumbies 22, like, it's not as if they got close to the line, couldn't get over. They just weren't even close. So, that um, they just uh, squared it up in the second half and probably showed a bit more of what they're capable of. But the Brumbies are just a world class team. I think they had the game and sort of put it on the benches pretty early, just they could run away with it.
1: Yep, Yeah, they, they absolutely towered them up in <clears> attack. The Brums 404 to 173 running metres, 22 to 12 tackle bust, nine to four line breaks, 12 to five offloads. I absolutely smoked them everywhere. It was really obvious that they were trying to suck in the Western Force defence with their forwards, and then they just kept running Mac Hansen out the back as the second playmaker, and they just <clears> opened <throat> them up out wide.
2: Yeah, I think out of the defence for this, it wasn't too bad on both sides. 89% was quite quite solid for the the Brumbies and 83% for the force. But a highlight for me was Jack McGregor, that that tackle on Pete Simon. I don't know why he wasn't already dropping to the ground. Like he was over the line, standing upright, but that hit from McGregor, that was, you know, dmacesque esque you know, in recent weeks how yeah. he's been taking people out of, over the line. So that was pretty inspirational from him fighting to that, that last moment. Um, but there was a, a few penalties in this one, uh, as we've come to come to see. Eight for the Brumbies, 13 for the Force. Um, and the Force had 12 in the first half, which is just wild.
0: That's why on top the of the, ball. On top of that, the Brumbies didn't have a single penalty in the first half. Like, they were just clean with the ball because, you know, the Force kept making so many mistakes. They didn't really get that many opportunities to penalise because they had no um, possession. But uh, I like how you said the 83% for the Force with the tackles because Brake, I think... Is their sole reason it's so low? He had two yeah. from seven. Just he's a crumb. I don't know what he's doing on the wing, like he's a test player, he's experienced, but that's that's shocking. To I, be fair, he'd be captain of the Waratahs right now. If yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that might be better than Newsom, actually. I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't speak up just yet.
2: Mind you, if Newsom was there,
1: he'd be doing better. It's his issues that he's paying for the task, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Fantasy points on this one. You had Lenny Ketow was the fantasy man of the match. He had an absolute blinder, 70 points. He had nine carries for 33 metres, so not a huge amount, but he had a couple of tries to that as well. Two line breaks, five tackle busts, three offloads, and eight of his nine tackles, so continues to be a bit of a defensive rock. For the Brums, you also had Mack Hansen, 69 points, Caden Neville, 61, Muirhead, 59, Falatini, 42. So, kind of a lot of the usual suspects there as well. And Western <laughs> Force, you had Henry Tyfu, I with 42 points. I thought it was probably the best game we've seen him play.
2: Yeah, he'd he shown plenty of promise in the NLC, <laughs> but yeah,
1: first time super rugby level, I think. Um, for the the Tars v. the Reds. Oh, hold on. You can't skip over the bloke doing a shoey out of a rugby boot. <laughs> That was my only can't point wait. from can this we, game. Can we skip over the Tars v. the Reds, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, Mitch, so you don't want to talk about this game, good. do you? Sorry about that.
0: You don't want to talk about this game, do you, Mitch? Oh, mate, look, I um, I do have three pages of notes, and it's all for this game. <laughs> but we can skip it. I'm happy to. <laughs> now nah, go on, go on. You, you have a go, then. Uh, Look, with with this game, I just thought the caliber of the Reds and the Tars is just Mm -hmm. unreal um, and really close for decent chunks of that first half. I think um, 17-9 with, uh, what, two minutes to go in that first half. um, If the Tars had not fumbled at that kickoff, they would have been pretty solid.
2: That was ridiculous yeah. off the kick off to be fair. They they fought with each other there and yeah. it, was, it happened again and again. You know, we we had those chances receiving the ball off our own kick in, in your twenty-two, or that one when, you know, we should have just simply held that ball and and they were pretty costly.
0: Yeah, but even second half, I think it was 27-14 with maybe twenty or so minutes left and I thought Tars aren't out of this game. Like mm. kicking was bad enough that they could sort of creep back in, but they, they just didn't. They had no options, I think, once you know the, they realized they just had to stop Parisi and Faketti.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they just got so many injured players and they did have Isaiah Parisi coming back from his band. Will Harris came back from an injury that we didn't ever hear anything about. And I thought he played really well. And Angus Bell coming back from the bench as well gave them a little bit more prop depth returning from his ankle injury. But it's just the never-ending roll uh, run of injuries for them. They lost both Sam Wykes to what looks like a severe elbow injury, <laughs> and Sam Caird to a concussion, which means he'll miss this week coming against the Brumbies within the twentieth minute or something. I think it was twenty-five, yeah. And then Lalakai Faketi in the second half with his foot injury as well. So it's just they just every time someone starts to play well, they get injured. And obviously Alex Newsom has worked that out, so he's just refusing to play well, and that's why he plays <laughs> every single week. I should note as well for the Reds, they didn't have it all their own way. They did have injuries to Vunovalu with a hammy injury. And uh, apparently it sounds like it's lower grade. So you'd expect he's a possibility for a return in one or two weeks at best. And Geordie Pataya, there was some, uh, some information coming out if it was a cramp or a hammy injury. I think it was just cramp. He didn't get mentioned in the postgame presser. So I don't think they're too worried about him. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, there was, look, for me at the game, I, I thought there were definite signs of improvements for the Tars in patches. I, I think they were good at points. They showed that they, you know, can can have a, a fair bit of power in tight with some of their runs, set up opportunities, but there were just too many mistakes when they had, you know, they put a few phases together, got into the 22, and then they just bomb it. It was the biggest thing for me, you it's know, happening. like... Yeah, they, I mean, we're, we're coming to expect this from them. I think in recent weeks that, I mean, they're talented players, but the, the cohesion's not there. The experience isn't there. So they can show moments of brilliance, but they just cannot
1: play, you know, 80, 80 minutes of footy. Uh, the stats, I think they were dead even across the board. So we'll move on from there. Uh, (laughs) Now the Reds did run 722 meters to the Tars 398. I don't remember the last time I saw a team run 700 meters. I think that was
2: pretty much my fantasy day.
1: Oh, ridiculous. So plenty of fantasy points on there for them. 35 to 23 tackle busts as well. 20 to four line breaks and 10 to four offloads. Somehow the Tars had 72% tackle success. It doesn't sound like that when you hear those other stats, does it? No, it doesn't really make much sense. The Reds, 79% themselves. Uh, look, I, I would say the one takeaway for me pre game was Jake Gordon saying they were going to attack the Reds tight five. I guess that's probably why Rob Penny got sacked. That's the final straw when you have coaching <laughs> plans like that. Absolutely god-awful. Especially with rookie locks. Yeah. Doesn't help. When
0: I heard that, I didn't know if they were talking about the set piece. I'm like, surely they're not. So, like, it must be the running game. I'll have a look at how the boys are running. I had down that the Tars tight five combined for seven runs for nine meters.
2: <laughs> and the
0: Reds tight five had 18 runs for 57 meters, a lot more broken tackle, all that sort of stuff. So I was like, there was, that comment made no sense. I was just scratching my head thinking, I think Gordon Is must it? be on endone at the moment. He's just, you know, really trying to get over the pains. It's all loopy. But that was
2: that was with them attacking them. Imagine what, if, if the Tars didn't attack their tight yeah. five, they would have run a hundred meters. in. <laughs> That's age. right. They ran a long by. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, fantasy man of the match for this one, Filippo Dalgunu, 87 points. Actually, man of the round, 13 carries for 137 metres, so more than 10 metres a carry three line breaks, 11 tackle busts, which is massive, an offload and six from seven tackles. For the Reds, we had Tate McDermott, 83. Alex Murphy, off the bench with a hat-trick, 80 points. Lucan Solakai Lotto, 57. Fraser McWright, 51. Jock, 44. That's James O'Connor, not the fullback. And Geordie Pattaya, 43. Sarah Uru, new Wallabies squad member, 42 points. For the Tars, no one. No one did any
1: good. The best that they had was injured like Iferchetti. Oh, that's got to be wrong. Points. Will Harrison did well. I'm sorry. You put this <laughs> yeah. up. This I is know. your fault. I know. He's my boy. He got 56, 56. points. Let's yeah. not say there we no go. say There was one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Super rugby. Oh, and William Harris, Will Harris, got 44 points. Oh, hey, is this is your first day. Must be. <laughs> so many excellent, excellent Waratahs. I can't believe it. All right, let's let's push on. Super rugby Aotearoa. You had the Highlanders going down 19 to Geordie Barrett 30. <laughs> Uh, three tries each. Oh, sorry, the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes 30. Three tries each for them. Returning, you had Parry Parry Parkinson finally coming back from his ankle reconstruction last year. Kazuki Himeno made his debut off the bench for the side and absolutely tore it up. Aiden Johnson came back from a concussion injury he suffered back, I think, in training in the lead-up to the North versus South New Zealand game last year. So, big comeback for him and congratulations from, from coming back from what's obviously a pretty scary injury there. Dane Coles from his calf injury and Scott Scrafton coming back from a pretty serious ankle injury and run out round one as well. I, I didn't see any injuries in this one. I, maybe I'm missing something because there's always injuries, but I couldn't find anything.
2: Yeah, look, I, I didn't see anything either. But just on that, um, Geordie Barrett scoring 30 points, I'm pretty sure the previous week the Highlanders had the top <clears throat> points scored against them by an individual player. And that was Richie Monger for 28. So Geordie Barry, Barrett said, hold my beer and did two better. <laughs> That's pretty brilliant. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, in terms of the possession and territory, you went the way of the Highlanders with 67% possession, 70% uh, uh, territory. But, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of this game. How, how did you see this one going, Mitch?
0: Um, this game was one I was most keen to watch, mainly yeah. because I was getting updates uh, as I was driving down the coast for the Bucks. because yep. uh, my mate just gave me Geordie Barrett in trade. And it was just screaming upset. he's like, I regret everything. He's tearing up. So I'm like, well, i got to come watch this. I don't know how the Highlanders lost this. Like they were just running yeah. the ball so much better. They had so much possession. Um, and I think when there was a yellow card down the Hurricanes and they wasted so much time trying to get this rolling more uh, try, they just weren't effective with anything they did. Yeah. Um, the Hurricanes, on the other hand, were just really efficient. Um, the three tries Jordy Barrett got weren't actually that impressive. They were um I shouldn't say that, present. they weren't that well worked. You know, Drury Barrett just beat uh, one run uh defender off the first try he yep. got. Uh, Ray they had the really cute offload inside for the second, then, you know, got lucky with the third. Like, they really just capitalised on the few moments they were near the try line. They didn't really play very well, but um, credit to them. They yeah, look, know, just I, really efficient.
2: I think one disruption for me is, for them is, for the Highlanders, is what are they doing with um, Joshuani and, and Hunt, you know, swapping yeah. them around so much? I actually was chatting to someone who is quite good friends with some of the coaching staff there and apparently the reports are he is uh, joshuani is a horrible person to be coached and trainer so Mm -hmm. it seems like it could actually be a reoccurring thing where they're almost punishing him to try and sort his shit out and that obviously he isn't sorting his shit out all right what what else is the other excuse you know as well like i mean that's coming from someone who's discussed this with their coach but also you know what what's the other excuse because on field he is awesome and Hunt hasn't been, you know, to, to the level Isn't of... He, right? he hasn't been bad. And, and he actually played not too bad at at 15. But, I mean, Joshua he's not a 15. No. It makes no sense to me. Do you think
1: it worked? What do you think, Mitch?
0: I've never really liked the dual playmaker combo. And I think when they've got other outside backs... I know Solomon Alamolo is injured at the moment, but... On, <laughs> I should have really put the inflection in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But uh, Connor Garden Machop even, like, he could have played 15 and done, I reckon, a better job with Ioane, uh pushed back to 10. And Yuani can still play make. He comes into first receiver a lot. Um, one of the tries I got at the end, I think it was Connor Bichopp's, uh sorry, gardner Machop's try at the end. Uh, Ioane did the beautiful cutout, um, you know, perfect pass. I thought, so good. Well, Hunt's not doing that. Hunt's, you know, beating a few defenders because no one's marking up on him because he's 60 yep. kilos, ringing wet. But Iwani does all the stuff you want your playmaker to do. I'd rather just get another outside back, you know, in that uh, 15 jersey just so they can attack a bit more efficiently and actually, you know, have a few more threats out there.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Look, when we look at the actual stats, um, it it goes the way of what we were saying, right? The the Highlanders, Mm. 494 to 188 metres, 32 to 11 tackle busts, eight to four line breaks, 12 to four offloads. There was a lot there, but they just weren't finishing it all off. In terms of the set piece as well, um for for the lineouts the highlanders had 14 from 16 the canes 9 from 11 but the uh if we look at the scrums, it was it was still it was good for both of them. Rolling more try to Brent Evans, though. How yeah. was that?
1: Yeah. So how about the Highlanders try? They throw back to number two off the top. They shift it back straight to Parry Parry Parkinson, and then start their rolling more and score off that. That was awesome. Yeah. I, I love those little trick plays in lineouts and just the change in where they were actually attacking them all. I thought it worked very very well. And man, I I reckon they're some of the best
2: tries to watch. One of the funnest things to ever do is if you're if you're running a line out for a team which i have the last few years is adding in those trick plays especially if the team thinks they know a driving more is coming that little shift can be can be brilliant but fantasy man of the match in this one no surprises geordie barrett with 82 points three tries three conversions three penalty kicks all their points literally four runs for 21 meters three line breaks four tackle busts for the highlanders you had shannon frizzell 63 Uwani 54 mitch hunt 44
1: for the canes
2: no one else really
1: we're still, standing One by man the, team. we're still standing by the fact that maybe Liam Squire is going to come back and actually show some form or not? No, no. He's out for the season. Is he? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone for the season. Okay. Well, there you go. So I highly doubt he's coming back. Yeah.
2: His, wow. knee, his knee's been re-aggravated and they reckon he just needs time. Oh, thanks for the heads up for that. Oh, no. I put it up on our, our, our platform. Yeah. Okay.
1: Chiefs versus the Blues. Mitch,
0: give us your take. Uh, this game was probably one of the ones that I was the most surprised by. Um, we were out at a uh, pub getting updates from this. I kept thinking, Deep Blues 12-8, they're leading. Like, mm-hmm. they can hold on to this. Like, they can't lose, sure. they just got the calibre of team that, like, they shouldn't be able to drop this. But, but Chiefs were relentless. And I think it yeah. was um, probably the first time I've seen more than one or two players step up. Like, most of their team is playing probably as you'd expect them to and in good form. Yeah. Uh, Luke Jacobson's been a freak at number eight um, and probably, you know, the best thing given they haven't had Bowshere for the season. I think we're gonna nickname <laughs> him Clutch.
1: That's, that's I'm sticking yeah. by it. The the more the tension rises in a game, the more he the better he starts to play. The amount of yeah. times he pulls a penalty, and makes a line break in the last five minutes is ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Oh, he, he starts off faster in the eightieth minute than the first. I don't know how he, he does, but yeah. him and um him and McKenzie just did a great job, I thought, um leading the oh, yeah. forwards and backs respectively. So uh really impressive from the Chiefs and I hope it sort of turns the season around. But at the same time, i got half the Blues team in my fantasy side, so I is kind it, of need them to step it up.
2: Is it any surprise it was those two blokes that for the last two weeks have made the
1: Chiefs win in the dying moments? Can I just clarify, Mitch, are you with us here? Luke Jacobson leading the forward <laughs> pack from the Chiefs. Obviously, there's another player in there that many thinks a bit of a leader. Where
0: where do you sit on this one? <sighs> Look, I, I like Sam Kane. <laughs> we we like him. Everyone likes no him. No one doesn't like him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he's shown anything that, forces a position in there, which is, is the tough thing. Like, I, I think Boshi is – he was better in 2020. I thought so coolly he's got that bulk. You know, Jacobson obviously has been playing this great game. Um, Sam Cairn's a great leader, makes a lot of tackles, but I think the others probably do their jobs just as well. Um, I knew, I so knew we liked you're you
2: You're on Team Dale then, yeah. not yeah. Team <laughs> Faggy. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's that's fine. We, we won't probe you anymore
1: no? <laughs> on Sam came, not sure if he actually had an arm injury. Um, He came off with 16 minutes to go or something, which he never comes off, and he was kind of looking a bit ginger on his right side. But we haven't heard any more on that. You did have a couple of returning players as well for the Blues, both Talaia and Papali'i came back from concussions. And you had Peter Gus, Soakula, finally making his return from a knee injury as well.
0: Uh, I did catch off, Mitch. Anything else on this one? Uh, no, I think that was pretty much it. Um there's a lot of uh, flack about... Terry Black and Harry Plummer. I think they've had some games where their 10 12 combo looks fantastic, and this one was a dog's breakfast. Like, Plummer did literally nothing. Um, I, I think I had a stats, 56 minutes, four passes, four from six tackles, two runs, no meters, no kicks, a drop pass. Like, just what was he doing? Yeah, exactly. Like, and he's is just covering cold? that midfield where you got TJ Fiani on the bench, um, you know, who is a very established 12 and probably should be starting. Okay. And then, um, Tanya Logan. Yeah, and and then out to later as well. I want him probably coming on the bench just as that center and wing combo. Um, yes, he, he can cover those. So uh, look, plumber had been solid up until then, but that was yeah shocking. I think. I just don't think that you can keep
1: picking black. Like the amount of smoke that gets blown up this bloke's backside, oh, dead f- set. He kicked awfully in play. He bit kept bit. kicking too long into the 22, so DMAC could just catch it on the fall. And then he kicked it goal poorly as well. Like his whole game is about composure and controlling the flow of the game. He didn't do it at all. He did some horrible passes. I'm, I'm still thinking exactly like Joshua a para franchise is the man that should be sending at 10. He's got such a good ability to attack the game, good hands, good vision. He offers every kind of threat that you need from a 10 in a modern game. I just don't mm-hmm. understand why they keep making these picks. It's almost like New Zealand are trying to play away from the Bowdoin Barrett, Richie Mawonga style of flyer.
2: Yeah. I, I was chatting to a an Auckland fan before the match and he was just telling me how good black is and that, no, you can't put Parafella at 10. Black is amazing. I messaged him after that game talking about how junk he was. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, black for ABs. Like, they still just have faith in him. For, for I don't know why. Like he's, he's a yeah. talented young player, but I just, He's just not doing it at the moment. So, uh, I mean, if you're losing games to to the Chiefs in these clutch moments, you you really need someone standing up, and it wasn't him. Yeah. Um, if we, we jump across to, I reckon we'll just go straight into fantasy man of the match for this one. Quinn Tapia, he just had an absolute blinder. This is the best I've ever seen him play. And the first I've really decided that, you know, I think he should be a starting center
1: for them week in, week yeah. out. He was, he was awesome in this one. I mean, except for the fact that he threw the ball away every single time he made a line break, like literally every single time. He beat a lot of defenders. It doesn't matter, mate. If you make a line break and then give the ball to them, how have you actually helped your team? He's, you know, he's, let's not say he's Pattaya bad at that, right? But He was he was, like, he was <laughs> on the
2: weekend. 100% he was. He, um, he, he made 12 runs for 89 metres, four line breaks, nine tackle busts, two offloads, and nine from 10 tackles. I, I think it was his best game for sure. Still a few work-ons. For the Chiefs, you had Takeaho, 66, Mack, 56, Luke Jacobson, 55, and for the Blues, you had Papali'i with 58. So
1: two things. D-Max hit on Mark Talea.
2: huge. Yeah.
1: Reminiscent of his tackle on anuku which was also ridiculous and should have been a, a stop for a try. His defence has just stepped up a notch this year. And Dalton Papali'i, you mentioned, as a fantasy man of the fantasy player this week as well. 20 at 21 tackles, four turnovers, and I think he had a few forced penalties as well. I thought he was immense for the Blues. Yeah, we've, we've,
0: we've been big fans of him. Are you a fan of him, Mitch? Massive fan of him, but uh, this is where it comes down to their biggest headache is how do you fit their back row all together? Mm. Because, like, Tom Robinson's probably been their most consistent player and he's been on the bench every game. Like, he just comes on and he's got a line break in him every match. It always sets up a try. Like, he's been unreal. So whether he comes in lock or – This is our
1: preview question, mate, for the Blues. So so we'll we'll dig right in. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll dig in in a little bit. Lovely. On the main course this year, this week, this year, this week, you got the Chiefs and the Western Force on a bye this week. So, in Super Rugby AU, the first game is the Waratahs versus the Brumbies. Last time they met, the Brumbies won 61 to 10, nine tries to one. Returning this week, we expect that we're likely to see Tom Wright, their lethal winger, coming back in from his bone bruise to his knee. Uh, I'd suggest probably the bench given the form of the two wingers, but uh, who knows? He is a, a wallaby and an excellent wallaby last year, and that Sulaiman is apparently pretty close, and so is Bailey Kunzul as well. And uh, Jake Gordon looks like he could be back for the Waratahs to try and carry his side again.
2: Yeah, well, what's your insight for this one, mate? Do you think the
0: Brumbies win by twenty thirty, or and how they're going to do it? Look. This one's gonna to be tough because I think with Jake Gordon coming back, if that's happening, that's a massive boost for the uh Tars. They need that leadership they need. Um, I just said nine that knows how and when to run it, when to pass it, and you know can look for the players that will be strike weapons. Mm. Um, anyone other than Newsom, pretty much. So I think that's gonna help them out a little bit. I probably still expect Brumbies, you know, they're just so solid. They've got to come up with probably a thirty point win, but I am expecting um Tars to come back pretty resounding from having no more Rob Penny as coach. I think that's gonna be something that they really galvanize and, you know, try and fight back for, but it's just not going to be enough. It'll, against this rumby side.
2: Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if these interim coaches do they make changes or do they just keep going what's been going on? I, I think they've got a license to make changes if they want, you know. We we all know that what's been going on isn't working. Um I look, I don't think Parisi is a 12. I think he's a 13. I'd love to see him in that 13 jersey. Um like I forget he I reckon, could cover 12, but if he's out injured, how does that center peering work? They I mean, they have all right in my mind to you know, Chuck Edmund or someone at twelve and do something a little different because, you know, he's been pretty decent when he's come on. Or this do we This is your way of saying just don't put Tepai Moroa there again? Just don't put Tepai Moroa there again. You know, he's just gonna get shown up by this this center pairing for the Brumbies, really. But Newsom, I, I don't want to see him shift, but more than likely we're gonna see Newsom at that thirteen jersey.
1: Yeah. I, I don't see how losing the coach galvanizes this squad, to be honest with you. Watching them play, it's not a heart thing. Nah, It's a complete inability to keep up with the pace of the game thing. I don't know if it's fitness, if it's uh, confusion in what the defensive play is, which is led by the coaches still there. They're attacking shapes that look all right, I must say, out of anything. But, man, I, I don't see where this team is going to galvanize from. They've got no basis to do it.
2: Yeah, like I think the effort's really been there for them. It's those cohesion, you know, like little moments when, you know, they've got to make the right decision to score that try. They'll do everything up to that point and then they'll bomb it. So uh, I think, you know, the experience, if there's a change, it's Jake Gordon coming in. It's mm-hmm. not, a you know, Rob Penny going out. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Do we see HJH shift back to to tight head, you know, hopefully with, with Bill um, starting at loose head, but... You know, what do you think? How can the tires do this? Do you think they've, they've got much of a chance or, or what part of the Brumbies, you know, set setup do they have to attack?
0: I think you've nailed all the points there with the changes you want to see. Like Bell and HAH have to be the props that are starting. Yep. Gordon, if he's healthy, of course, just raise him straight back in. If he can play 80 minutes, yep. give it to him. Yep. Um, The Fikiti injury is obviously the big one because like, they looked really good. I thought against the Reds, actually, you know, were able to keep the ball uh, fairly well together as a combo and yep. pretty good runs. <clears throat> uh, if they've got to put um, use them into 13. At least no one can a wasi can come back into 14. Yep, I just realized I'm covering Kagi. Should I mispronounce no one can a wasi just for <laughs> please. Yeah. please as bad as you can? <laughs> so, uh, no one what Willie, uh, with Willie. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, back, yeah. um, <laughs> that, so uh, they've got like we said at the start of the season, they've got good potential players. It's just yeah. they've got to get them in space. I <clears> think <throat> the whole game plan could hinge on uh. Edmet at 12, and Parisi at 13, like you are sort of hinting at before, because yes, you've got right. two playmakers in that uh, access position. They can get it to the players that are strike weapons, because Maddox is great in attack when he gets a chance, Yeah, uh, as is no one can to a wasi, but and they just haven't been given the chance. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. I think you've nailed all those um, positional changes for the Brumbies. Um, I, I honestly think Newsom will probably end up at 13 again.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, I think that's what we're most likely to see, but that's not what we mm-hmm. want to see. This, this is a chance to actually, you know, take a chance if you're a coach. Yeah. Don't, don't keep pushing the shovel and same shit.
0: What were you going to say about the Brumbies? Uh, Brumbies, I was just going to mention that their uh, tight five, I thought was going to be, the, or the front row particular, was going to be the issue last week. But, I mean, even with Slipper moving a tight head and some rookies, they still pushed back a pretty good uh, four scrum. So. It's really going to have to be Bell and Hjh at their best to try and hold this um, Brumbies side back. But yeah. uh, look, I'd, I'd still be thinking that the Brumbies don't really have an observable weakness compared to this Tars team. It's really just going to have to come down to mm-hmm. um, you know Tuzano not giving away penalties and you know being that menacing player over the ball because he's been really good at turning the ball over. Yep. Um, and with no Brumbies seven or well, no uh, regular seven this week, that could be a real point of difference if they can secure the ruck a bit better and the Brumbies aren't as dominant then maybe they just get a bit more possession, even up the score a little bit more.
2: Yeah. It will be interesting to see what the Brumbies do with Brown out and, you know, Cusack still likely absent as well um, in terms of their options. I mean, how good would it be to have Miller in, in this group, but they don't really have that option, but yeah, look, they've got Rory Scott, who he's been nicknamed Poey because apparently his work ethic, how hard he is over the ball and just how hard he runs, there's a lot of similarities between him and Poey there, um, to, to, which is a huge call. Um, but he, he's someone that we might see fill in. Um, he came off the bench last week. But there's also Luke Reimer, who who wore the, well, the seven jerseys for the schoolboys. He's good. He's got a lot of talk about how good he is.
1: He looks good. I like the
2: looks of him. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see who they use to fill that void. Tom Wright, we already touched on him. I, I I don't think we'll see him come straight back into that starting side.
1: You know, those two wingers have been been doing too well, but hopefully we get to see him come off the bench. I, and make I think a bit of impact. the interesting thing with him is that I think he's an out-and-out finisher in the likes of Andy Muellerhead, whereas I think they're really growing Mac Hansen's role in this team the more he establishes himself. He seems to be coming in and he's the guy that's taking that second pass and actually trying to look for the long <clears throat> cutout or to try and create a little bit wider for the side. So, and I actually think he's more likely to get more, I think they'll rotate them a little bit, but I think he's probably the guy that's establishing himself so, as the partner to Tom Wright. Yeah. So you say drop um, Banks and put, <laughs> put Hansen at a fullback? I mean, he's a fullback. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't care to be honest. Go for it. Now, nah, look, Banks is kicking for touch. It's just too yeah. good. Yeah. When you've got a weapon
0: like the Brumbies rolling more, you can't really take that away. That's fair. How do you see this going, Mitch? Uh, look, I think Brumbies will still probably come ahead, um, I'd think by at least 30 points, um, which would be a lot better than the first game. Um, hmm. I, I think Taz just need to really focus on those few key things. They probably know they're not going to win this one. Um, interim coaches were pretty much saying as much. They want to get at least one win with this season and this was a bit of a write-off, but um, if they can a 30 point loss is so much better than 51 points. <laughs> and I think Brumbies could see this as a chance to um, tweak a few things. And one thing I'd love to see, it, it won't happen, but I wouldn't mind saying Tucker move to six, uh, Samu move to seven and Valentini at eight or even Tucker at eight, just because the, uh, the Wallabies squad that came out only has McWright as the genuine seven. And we know Samu is pretty good with, uh, you know, uh, ruck involvements and he can play that loose role a little bit. So whether I they see this as a chance to just test that, it'd be a big gamble and not really putting any of those players in their best position. But they don't have a lot to lose at the moment.
2: You know, while, while we're throwing out wild hopes and speculations, why don't they throw Frost in at six? He is a mobile six that that works pretty hard. I'd love to see him have a
1: crack at it. He's yeah. still young. He can adapt to that. I mean, I've got zero <laughs> to say that he can play six other than one run in the under-20s. So I, mean, no. I, don't, so I don't really care. Do it. <laughs> They'll still beat us by thirty. Like So the line here is 21 and a half points. That's I think money. the Grumbies are going to smash that, right? That okay. is easy money. I'll be putting on a cheeky little bet on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it before I get home. I'll put yep. the house on it. That's good. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So I'm going go to go Tars to lose by 40. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I, I'd love to be ambitious and think things are going to change. I mean, Jake Gordon maybe scores a try, you know, and, and makes a, that small difference, but I, I still think it'll be mid-30s. i I'll say 35. Gamble responsibly. Harry just threw lots of money on that. <laughs> um, all right, let's move across onto the second game for um, Super Rugby AU. We've got Rebels versus the Reds. In terms of our returns, Feo Fotoeika
1: returning from his ban. Um, no news on the Rebels camp as, as yet, Harry? No. So, yeah. So, first of all, Fotoeika was actually available last week and they didn't even put him on the bench. I think he's competing with Nongor, isn't he? Oh, so- yeah, yeah, true. So I, I originally I thought they quite liked him at the start of the year, but um, he may not actually come back in. It's the last time we'll mention him. Baby fool. And, yeah, we're, we're, we are chasing up to try and get some news in the Rebels because they're just giving us nothing. But I would say uh, keep an eye on the Casualty Ward because uh, while I look right now, I haven't actually gotten any of those updates yet, but I'm hoping there's, to get some info. Yeah, there's rumours about Magne. You know, there's other things floating around.
2: So hopefully we get a bit more clarity in the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, and, and see where we're at with a lot of these names. I'd, I'd love to see Zinasarani back in at some point. I mean, he's in that Wallaby squad, so he's got to start playing rugby at some point. Jarrell Skelton, you know, they're, they're talking about shifting him into the, the centres as well or a bit, a bit wider rather than just being in the, the back row. So that'll be interesting to see. They've actually been trying to develop him there a little bit wider apparently through this season. Um, but obviously DHP, he's, he's out indefinitely. Um, and I I don't think we'll see Cameron or yet, but look, last time these two met the Reds just scraped by with a 23 to 21 win, but it was seven penalties the way of the rebels. Uh, I think the rebels have added a little bit, another string to the bow a little bit, you know, they've, they've shown they can score tries, but I still think they're going to heavily rely on this kick and try to take the points when on offer. We're not a gambling, uh, group here, but throw your money on <laughs> Rebels' first points penalty. Okay. I think it'll be overpaid, uh, overvalued. Um, but, yeah, look, the in, in terms of recently, on average, 22 points. This is the Rebels' 22 points in attack. They've had five tries total, which is horrible, right? And that's last. come, yeah, that's come, come in the last couple of weeks. The first weeks there were were none as well, right? Yes. Um, so they're they're just not, you know, a, a,
1: as good as you know you'd hope for for that those attacking sort of wider channels and finishing things off. Looking at them develop their game this year, I actually think they're throwing the ball around more. But when you look a bit closer, they were. Throwing again, around against the Western Force and they were freaking awful, mm. but they couldn't finish anything. And then against the Tars, the Tars don't defend. So it may, may, <laughs> it's yet to be proven against mm. any sort of decent side. Um, yeah. What, what do you think are
2: key sort of things we're going to see here, Mitch? Or how's, where's this going to be one or lost?
0: Uh, the biggest thing I think for me that'll influence this game is just the Brisbane lockdown. Um, yeah. cause obviously the Reds would have come back home and, uh, stocked up on all the essentials, you know, had a bit of a hug and cry with the family, um, about thumping the Taz. What a proud moment. Um, but uh, I think cause they're stuck down in Coogee, they're uh, just been confirmed to be allowed out to train and that's literally it. So they'll just be confined in the hotels for the rest of that time. Yeah. Uh, just cause they're in Brisbane, uh, as of March 20. So I think that's going to be a really big factor for them. Um, rebels are coming off a buy. They're going to be really refreshed. Um, And before that had, you know, two nice wins. So I think this is going to be a really big chance for the Rebels to overtake them. The big thing will be stopping their attack. Uh, As you said before, Rebels have only scored five tries. The Reds have scored more tries than the Rebels, Tarzan, Force combined, which, um, you know, they've just got really potent outside backs. If they can put a stop to some of them, um, you know, like... He
1: has scored more tries than the entire Rebels side. He's got six. Yeah. wow. And I traded him
0: out this week for BPA, so I'm filthy, so... (laughs) Uh, but yet, uh, the Rebels are a good team. I think they're um, pretty clearly established as the third best team at the moment. And I think their defense is good enough in patches. If they've got their best team out there, they can definitely stop the Reds backs, especially if Vunavalu and Patea are out. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- there's enough for an upset here. This would be the game that I'd be thinking could go uh, the way of the team that isn't favoured.
2: Yeah, look, I think a lot probably is going to have to happen. Yeah, there's a disruption there for sure. But, um, I mean, the the Rebels are really going to be on their best. We we said early on in the year, as you said, the defence can disrupt teams. But this Reds outfit, you know, they just – they can score from anything in any opportunity. You make a little mistake – um, and, and I think they you know they've got a good shot at scoring points here. If Vernevalo's out and Patea's in we'll, sh- we'll probably see him shift to the wing Pesami to 13, Hamish Stewart coming into 12 who he's been really good when he's had the opportunity. If Patea's out we'll probably see Campbell then go to the wing and Hegidi to 15 which means they've got a few more ball players around to, to look for their their attack and weapons. So I mean there's there's definitely some you know
1: strike power lost there but it just means it's a team that can use their strike power potentially better. I thought the Rebels' line speed was excellent the first time they played, yep. and it stopped the Reds from getting the, wide, the ball wide to their attacking players. But I think the, devel- the continued development and how Paisami plays the game is a real plus to them. He can hit the line hard and get an offload, get an arm free, or he can put his short kicking game into use. I think between him and James O'Connor, they should have the answers this time around. I agree. Uh, where, where do we see Seru Uru fitting into this side?
0: Mitch? This is going to be the tough one. Um, unfortunately, I don't think they see him as a starter because they're not going to have him and Salakai Loto at locks as a combination. Yep. I think Blythe and Smith have just um, – Smith yeah. had a great starting debut. I think they just make a lot of tackles and, you know, get really involved with, um, you know, the, those it's safe cool. runs. But Uru off the bench could be a massive impact. So I'd be very happy to see him coming off again because he's not quite at a uh, Harry Wilson level. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk at the start of the season from uh, my group mates saying, we'll put him at six because he can play in the back row shift, uh, Scott Young. But Scott Young's probably had the season of his life. Like, he's been really good defensively and really involved. He's been um, an
2: absolute work for them. He's been really good yeah. in the line out as well.
0: So I'd be putting Uro on the bench, unfortunately. Um, but again, it's a good problem for the Reds, especially because with all the um, sort of backline permutations, Undra Sessi could still come in the um, one of the wing positions. And he's an absolute freak. Like, he's... I think yeah. the quickest in the team, like he's just got incredible wheels. Um, so if he's able to get down to Victoria, I'd, I'd be putting him in the starting jersey for Vinavalu just because he's an absolute weapon.
1: That's a good point. I don't know if they're going to be able to actually fly any of their players down. They would have had to make a very early call.
0: Cool. Yeah. And I don't know if he was down there with the wider training squad for the Sydney game. So it's a lot to um, unpack. And I haven't seen which uh, players were in the touring squad that weren't playing. So I'll have to go back and have a look at who was training, but um, yeah, if they've got access to him, that's a pretty big boost,
2: yeah we were very excited to see him get a crack on the wing didn't get as much opportunity as I think we all liked, but in the the first chance we saw him this year, he looked electric, and I think he's a genuine finisher and, and an excitement machine for them. but uh, as I said, I think it could actually be a good thing for having Hamish Stewart and Hegarty and things in this side because you know that rush defense you need to have those smarter heads that you know know when to make those right choices and get it to those players rather than those you know, just the spark plays that we, we maybe saw last time against the Rebels. How do you
0: stop Tate McDermott? I don't know what you can do. You just need big bodies around the rock, but he dances around them. Like, I was looking at that first try that he scored, and it's like, gee, I need to see how he did it. Because he got past Tizano, who's probably one of the Taz's best defenders at the yeah. moment. Like, he's an absolute weapon. He, he went full bore into Um Tupou as well. Like, he puts his body on the line. I McDermott's feet are just so good. So I think, unfortunately, the Reds' back line, this is where they get their tries – every player in that back line needs to be double marked. Like yeah. they've just got just attacking talent pretty much everywhere. So it's that one time that you don't have someone uh, marked that they let you down. So I'd just be putting your big tacklers like Kemeny and um, you're probably Hardwick or Wells. Uh, they've both been uh, tackling pretty well. Just keep them either side of the ruck that whole game because McDermott's going to dart when he's um, got the chance. Yeah, the last
2: point I wanted to say about Tate as well is something I noticed this year. I think he's evolved a little bit in his defense. He's doing the... Um, uh who am i thinking of the nine from south africa De clerk the Faf de clerk you know shooting out of that line trying to stop a kick or try to put that pressure on you know the the deep uh, deep ball from the from the back of a, a ruck. so he's adding a little bit more aggression into his defense and trying to shoot out and not have a standing start which
1: i, I really like seeing all right we'll give mitch the final word on this one because it's his team uh nelson what's your tip Oh, look, you've got it written down, and I, I hate to disagree, but I, I'm
2: going to say I, I think the Reds will run away with this for a, a couple tries. tries, um, and I think you know maybe they're going to score three more tries but get penalties against them. I'm going to say they're going to win by 15. Okay,
1: I'll go a little bit closer, 10 points.
0: I think this is going to be even closer, and I think if there was going to be an upset, oh, tip Rebels, but I'm not going to. I mean, Reds have just looked so good. So I'll say Reds by six, um, but I do think just with uh, – not being able to get back home. I think it's going to be tough for them. Um, I know Harry Wilson's had to go out and get some double XL shirts and I ask see. for some undies to be sent down. So um, it, it, they don't have the creature comforts. <clears> so, <throat> so I think it'll be a bit tight. The COVID yeah. undies. <laughs>
1: Super Rugby Aotearoa. So this is now the start of the second half of their rotation. So all teams have played each other once. We're back to their round one. So Crusaders versus the Highlanders is the first game here. Returning, we are expecting Gianna to make his return from his hip-pointer injury. Obviously, the whole Highlanders are returning? He's won the game single handedly. That's that's their whole time. One team. one one game, yeah. <laughs> the only game they won, I guess. But yeah, he was obviously expected to, or given every chance to play last week and didn't quite make the return. So he'll be sweet. George Bridge from his peck repair as well, massive in for the Crusaders who <clears throat> just lack class in the back line, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, they they were saying that he could have been right to play that
2: that match, you know, I think against the Blues before um, their bye, but they gave him that extra little bit of time. And he had a, you know, internal trial against the Crusaders under-20s. So he's
1: coming off, you know, a little bit of game time to build up that fitness as well. And Liam Squire, as you said, gone for the season. Yep. Ouch. Right. Last time they played, the Crusaders got up 26 to 13. I actually thought the Highlanders played quite well. This <clears throat> is technically first versus six, fifth. Sixth, fifth in Super Rugby, Altaroa, although I don't know how much you can read into that. Oh, Look, I mean, Crusaders have just been a class above Highlanders.
2: There's just been moments of, of you know, skill and excitement, but I don't think we've seen an all-round game from them. Well, What are they going to have to do here? Do you think the Highlanders actually have a bit of a crack at this one, Mitch?
0: Yeah, I think um, Naraki is their point of difference. Like, that's yeah. the sort of fight fire with fire. Like, those Crusaders' wings have just been able to take the ball and uh, beat defenders, make line breaks at will. And Rekki <clears throat> can do that as well. I think they're going to need to settle, as we are talking about before, they need to settle on Iwani or Hunt as that 10 and have another outside back back there. And I need them to drop Hugh Renton and just not have him near the squad because they've got a great back row. And I think now with Himeno coming through and looking really good, you just stick with that same starting group. You can have uh, Frizzell and uh, Michele too. And there's Himeno at number 20. You, you're pretty set. Um, happy with either Lenchies or Harmon at seven if they're both available, but... The problem is the Crusaders don't have a weak point. Um, It's not going to be through the scrums or lineouts that they can win this. So they are going to just need to rely on a bit of, I think, backline magic. So I'd be chucking in among a Jensen at twelve. I'll be chucking in, um, you know, as as many players as possible that X factor. Just only the chance that you can beat a few defenders.
2: Do you really think um, Michele Tutu's locked in at the number eight jersey? I know he hasn't had it all his own way this this season, but I, I don't think he's had the impact he did last year. And with how good Jimeno was, I mean, he's, he's very physical. He works hard. I think a lot harder in defence than Michele Tutu as well. So maybe he's an answer for them in, in this match. Can I just
1: ask, Nelson, whose fantasy team is Himeno in in our league? Uh, he's in my team. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, well, Nelson, Tuu's in my team, so that's why I've been back. In day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah. I don't think it's going to go your way. I, I would it. actually say I think has
1: a shot at starting this week. I think Tuu's been a little bit underdone this year. I expected massive things from him, but he has been a bit quiet. Yep. And I, I heard uh, that Clark Dermody, sorry, the assistant coach <clears> for the Highlander, saying that Kimono was 100%, quote, in the running to start against the Crusaders. So hmm. we'll have to watch that space. Yep, hopefully he starts <laughs> Um, yeah, the obviously,
2: uh, if we've got Noreki coming back, um, Vajakolo should be dropped. I don't think we'll see him in the 23 Mm. at all, to be fair. I know he's had a big might of 10, um, you know, campaign last year, but I I just don't think he offers enough from the bench, can't cover numerous positions, things like that
1: as well. Uh, I think Mitch Hunt. (laughs) should be on the, on the bench. I've got, I've got a note here, Parry Parry Parkinson, Bryn Evans or Josh Dixon, who makes up the locks? Surely that's a gimme, isn't it? You just drop Bryn Evans? Yeah, yeah, surely you do. But I mean, it was, it was good to be able to have Dixon coming off the bench last
2: week. They brought Parry Parry straight back into that starting jersey. I, I think your first choice is Parry Parry and
1: Dixon. Um, but, you know, they, they gave Evans that crack and I think he wasn't too bad. Yeah, and finally, Aiden Johnson could come in to start again now. He's second game back for Ethan DeGroote. But what about the Crusaders, Mitch? You're wearing the red. So the Crusaders <laughs> red. It's not the Queensland red, I'm
0: sure. Uh, the Crusaders, you know, second team just because they're also red. Um, not a bad team to support. Um, like Crusaders, they're just perfect, aren't they? Like what more could you want from them? Um, I keep looking for weaknesses every time I look at their team. They're going to have three injuries, and it's still a really world-class looking team. Um, just people can fill in. So if you've got George Bridge coming back, who, you know, is at times the best, you know, left wing playing rugby, um, it's pretty bloody handy. I probably think Crusaders are looking to, uh, you know, bounce back from the bye. Um, they don't like having time off in the game and they probably want to be asserting that dominance. Just making sure that, you know, the teams know just because we're in pole position and the Blues have dropped off a game. We're probably trying to look this, um you know, eight from eight. You're probably
1: right. You know, most teams bounce back from a loss. The Crusaders' closest thing to a loss is a bye. So for them, <laughs> yeah. they're like, we haven't won in like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> they've also, do, do you think we get a
2: chance? Oh, like my thought is Bridge goes to the bench. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of puzzle pieces to, to move around. Not like many, game. mate. You flick finger and nucleus, George Bridge. Straight in. Yeah. 100%. So they've, they've, that's what I was about to say, though. They've had two weeks to, to train this squad. So they could have gone two weeks of training him as their first choice winger. Yeah, that's legitimately what could we
0: could see. I think I so.
2: hope so. He's on my fantasy side too. So
0: mine too. So drop Reese, get Sevi Reese out of here and oh, yeah. No, 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 Hold on, hold on.
1: He's in my team. You can't you drop, drop Sever you He's not playing a Nuku. is Inuku. the game breaker. They just need to give him the ball. For whatever reason, the Crusaders have been tacking the left edge constantly and giving the ball to Fengra Anuku. Get the ball to Sevi Reese. The bloke is a magician. <laughs>
0: Oh, love it. Uh, so we're all just going for whoever's in our fantasy team. Yeah, yeah, basically. Right, much, that's how we do it. <laughs> it's week. <great>. Yeah, <laughs> love it. The the other thing
2: is you've got Manassa Matteo around, but and he coming back any time. You know, I think he's he's pretty much good to go. But I just don't see how he fits in. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he just seriously doesn't.
1: The Tars will have him. We'll just give him give him to us. Anything else for the Crusaders, Mitch?
0: Well, just that last point there—that Mateo is their fifth choice wing, or maybe even lower—and yeah. Newsom is the Tar's first choice. So, it's <laughs> it's an absolute yeah. shocker that and, yeah.
2: and second choice captain.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's the more concerning bit. But now, look, I think um, Hollanders could have you know a game of their lives. Crusaders could be you know a little rusty, and they'd still win by ten. So, it's going to be really tough. Um, I'd be thinking Crusaders are looking pretty dominant here, maybe a fifteen to twenty point win.
2: Yeah, I, I think this is going to be pretty big. I think the, there's been no one, you know, or, or no access for this Highlanders to, to close out a game or, or win a tight one or, you know, anything like that. So they'll score some points, but I still think they're going to lose by 25.
1: Well, the line, seven eight and a half points, so Mitch has gone right in the yeah. middle. I, I, think, um, I think he's pretty accurate, actually. I'm going to say 17 points. Fair. The... Final game is the Blues versus the Hurricanes. So for this one, you do have Blake Gibson who should be back from concussion, but let's be honest, he's not going to be in the squad anyway. And there's some um, questions about if Safra Amua could be back. They were saying this week, maybe next week. He had an absolute blinder against the Blues last time they played, scoring a couple of tries himself. He had his AC joint injury. I'm just wondering, you know, if they could potentially try and rush him back in. Like, don't get me wrong, they've got Dane Coles. There's not that And big Yeah, but Riccatelli will get dropped. We all know that. Despite playing, yeah, I know. (laughs) That's not the point. Again, he could Riccatelli could play wing for the Tars at the moment, but (laughs) let's let's not get stuck into that. Asafra Mua played so well against them. I I do wonder if they just go, well, if he's okay, keep managing Cole's work rate because his calf seems to be made of jelly at the moment. Last time they met the Blues, 31 to 16 winners in Wellington. They now play them at home. Um, this is the team that plays the most run meters, eighteen hundred and thirty-eight for the blues versus the team that runs the least the hurricanes, thirteen twenty-four run meters. So to me, that's just like fantasy points to one team. So Mitch, you said your team's all blues. I think that shapes up pretty well for you, to be honest.
0: Well, look, I'd like it to, but um Mark Talay hasn't had the same form as last year. And I I jumped him in a little little early, I think. And um I think Caleb Clark, we just saw the difference. He's great at running over the Wallabies and not so much mm-hmm. the other New Zealand players. So um, hoping to see a bit more of them going. But yeah, that, that Blues back line, it, it's so damaging. I think if they fix up that 10-12 axis, they're pretty set.
2: Yeah, do you think we see a change there in the 12 jersey?
0: Yeah, I'd love to see TJ Farney come in. Sure. Um, straight to that 12 jersey, um, Tania Lutilea uh, in the 23 jersey. I think Plummer's been pretty serviceable, but you've yeah. already got two playmakers um, <clears throat> on the field. Uh, and then Plummer, for all of his you know, good work, I guess, in the start of the season, I think uh, the game against the Chiefs just showed he can't do that consistently. Like those other games have sort of been anomalies. He just doesn't really have the running game or the tactical game. Like he's just in a, the bit of the middle there. So. I'd like to see Finan coming just because he is really solid. He is a bit of a leader and can probably just direct those backs around a little bit better. Yep. And we do assume though, that you also
1: want to drop black, <laughs> put pair franchise in at 10 and Narawa at 15. Is that right?
0: Uh, well, look, Parafet is in my fantasy <laughs> team as well. <laughs> so does he get more at 15 or 10? Look, um, Parafeder, I do think at 10, he does provide a really good um, passing and running game as well. Like he's going to threaten the line a lot more. So if the blues are looking to shake things up, um, I mean, against the Hurricanes, you can afford mm. to do that um, if Auburn Ledges at 10. So why not? I'd be happy for them to do that.
2: And I think Fearni's a good man to be outside him. He can, you know, take it to the line and settle things down. So mm. he gives Pereafeta that chance to chance his arm if he feels like it, and he's going to have someone his hip just running it hard and running it straight, and
1: it can help, you know, settle him. I think the big thing for the Blues here is they just never really got into gear against the Chiefs, and they. I think this is the game where they need to say, okay, we are the number two team in New Zealand, let's put our best foot forward and see how we can play. Aidan Ross just destroyed the Blues, uh, you know, with some Tavo and some uh, Samasone Takayaho as well, Tavo, sorry, help as well. But Aiden Ross played so well against them to disrupt that scrum. I do wonder if you might see La 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 and Hodgman, Sorry, trying to take Kagi's role, yeah. <laughs> um, relegated to the bench, and having Carl Tuionokuafe and Offer tungafasi starting instead.
0: What do you reckon? Well, I'd be pretty happy with that. I think the um, the area which the Chiefs actually did pretty well last week was in that tight five. You know, like we saw the scrum dominance, we saw just they were able to shut out those um, top <clears> five <throat> players pretty well. And the Blues front row, I don't know, like they've just got so much uh, prop depth, but. Uh Talai hasn't done a great job at Hooker, I don't think. And they're two locks, they just were falling off tackles last week. Um Tupilotto, I think, has got pretty comfortable because he had a great season last year and just hasn't really found his form. And I know Josh Goodhue hasn't really been setting the world a lot. So I'd be happy to swap mm-hmm. him with Jared Cowley, Tuiotti, or even uh, the big source, because he's been unreal when he's been playing. I actually thought Goodhue's
1: physicality has gone up a big step this year. It's interesting to say hear you say that because it's just I hadn't <coughs> seen that at all. Yeah, look, I, I I'm a, of a similar mindset. If you're going to get
2: um, big Sauce onto the field, I think it would be good to see him, you know, in that five jersey. Good to see him in in that lock and see if he, you know, can can you know nut it out for eighty minutes, sixty minutes, whatever it might be in, he in can. the top five. He definitely can. Look, uh, he's also generally a really really good finisher and a great person to bring off the bench if the match is tight you know he uh, i think he, there's yes that you can argue that he could actually do it from the
1: the get-go of the match but he's, he's so good to bring on the problem is the role is so different in the locks where they have to run you know it's high traffic runs which is not really his game either you know he was camped out in but, the wing the entire end of the game
2: but you got so 2-2 two, two, you've got Akira, you know, you've got guys that can do that role for him, run it in tight and, and take it up through that middle. So you can still play him a little bit wider. Yeah. Yeah. And he's tall enough for a line out. He's 196. He's only, you know, a couple centimetres shorter than Goodhue. He's just
1: so good. Get him on the paddock. So my my Blues game plan for this one is bash the hell out of them.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you see it any other way? <laughs> I don't know what I see because, like, I think we've seen already that the Hurricanes are just Geordie Barrett, aren't they? Like, Artie Sevier and Lamarpe would do the job as well, but they don't really have the well-rounded team that you probably would expect from them. And a lot of it comes down to their halves combo. I know um, yeah, Luke Campbell yeah. last week, I think he fell off five tackles and he didn't make that many. So it's just he hasn't done a great job in the passing. He's not really a safe player and they don't have anyone in the wings that's you know ready to jump up and do that job um, You know, as well as TJ Perinara. So I wouldn't see any problem with the bashing them. Um, the Hurricanes forwards are damaged. They had to cop a lot of tackles last week because the Highlanders had all the ball. So they're not going to be overly rested. Um, I think all the loose five fell off 13 tackles combined. Mm. You know, like it's a lot of tackles missed for those Canes boys. So the Blues have the bigger pack. Just keep running.
2: Yeah, you know, look, I think, you know, as you said, that 9-10 access for the Hurricanes, it's quite inexperienced. It's quite weak um that could be another reason why you want Fayani at that that 12 jersey I think he's he's a better defender than than Plummer yes Plummer's not bad I think there but I think he's a bit more imposing in terms of his his defense and a bit more starch there so you, you just want to run at that 10 you want to put that pressure on on the nine as well and I think that'll really disrupt them
1: yeah absolutely uh for the Hurricanes for me the midfield is a really interesting one there's couple of th- things I really want to focus on here. First of all, it's time to give La Marpe the crash ball again. I don't know why they'll put that away. It so, just seems like madness, <laughs> especially when you've got Auburn Ledger just distributing rubbish inside him. Secondly, Peter Amunga-Jensen has clearly tried to pick up one of the coach's daughters because he's now gone from the breakthrough centre of 2020 to playing nine minutes off the bench coming on for La Marpe with Billy Proctor playing the full 80. So he's getting less and less minutes every single week. Be- and. My last point is, does this mean Billy Proctor is the second coming of Matt Proctor, the greatest centre in the world? I was just about to say, Billy is the brother <laughs> of the best centre in the world. You've got to give him a chance.
0: Yeah, clearly. I, I think, and I'm really hoping it's just this, but I know um, Among Us has just had the uh, birth of his first child. I think hopefully the paternity leave has been the only reason that he's, you know. Not- How many weeks well this is the thing like he needs to get back out there and play and you know drop the diaper duties because he's a wrecking ball like he could he's, be the real you know difference for this team he's um, far I haven't seen Proctor I just haven't seen Proctor do anything like he's, yeah he, he's a but Alex him with a better haircut
1: but having said that <laughs> I never saw Matt Proctor do anything he was the greatest center in the world
0: so
1: <laughs> True. clearly there's something that we uh we aren't seeing yeah look oh, is there anything else you want to touch on here Harry well, Ruben Love, um, I just think that they need to dig the bottom of the barrel and see what they can come up with to play at 10. Ruben Love came on for Auburn Ledger for the last six minutes. I went back and watched those minutes just to see what they did with him. Literally. They didn't play. They had a couple of scrums and they had a kickoff. There was zero opportunity to see how they were going to use Ruben Love if he was actually going to play at 10 or if they pushed Geordie to the front line and push him out to fullback. So I think roll the dice. You know, you guys aren't making finals on your current team. Get Ruben Love in there. Give him a crack and just see what happens because he can't be worse. Just start them up at 10. Just give
2: them yeah. the ball. Running hard. You don't you don't need to worry about anything else. Just give it to him in the hard, and eventually pass it out to Rayasi or someone else.
1: Yeah, genius. Yeah. Well, it's never been done before, so worth a crack. Um, how do you see this going, Harry? What's your tip? Um I think blues are gonna win it
0: relatively comfortably, I would say by twelve points. Yeah, it's fair, Mitch. I think I'd probably have them around that 12 points as well. I just thought they need to come back from this and really, you know, atone for the last two losses on the trot. Um, if everything goes their way, they should win by probably more than that. I would say, you know, it should be 15, like get more than two tries in the Canes. They've got the better team, but um, they just haven't really looked polished. And if they're chopping and changing the back, uh, back line a bit, I'll just go with 12. Yeah, look, you can't go for 12. Harry's done it. So we'll
1: lock in 11 and I'll go 13 and we'll see who gets the Love closest. Love it love it yeah <laughs> fantastic look for dessert I'll um I'll share the little thing that we were playing with uh before the podcast
2: to God do with that
1: Desserto. so Mitch you should be able to see that now I hope yeah coming up Okay, so all we did was we, we often look at the value-based drafting and that kind of thing through, uh, through the, our initial draft at the start of the year. So we looked at what mm-hmm. the changes have been from 2020 to 2021 now that we're a full round through and all obviously working off averages as well. So we're not looking at the difference in total games, but you can see on the left side of the screen in 2020, The hookers were the highest-ranked position. I've sorted them by average points across the positions picked, so eight positions picked for the hookers. Their average was 35.6 points. The last place was the lowly prop 16 picked at 26.2 average. So I I think there's not a lot of surprises in town with how that all ranks up probably the surprise in 2020 was the fall of the center who was generally a lot more effective than they had been in previous years. Uh, I would have thought that scrum half would be lower back row would be up in the top three and yes, center would be pushing them as well, but not to be Uh, the interesting one for me was I was thinking about how the games have been played and the fact that defensive lines have been so aggressive at the moment. And I thought really, I wasn't seeing a lot out of the outside backs compared to what we're used to, you know, you've seen, Like you said before, Caleb Clark, uh, Talaya falling away. The Waratahs don't have any outside backs. Um, The Reds generally maybe one more fire. The Brumbies have actually been doing exceptionally well. But a lot of teams don't have big scoring outside backs. So I thought they were going to drop a long way. Comparing 2020 to 2022, the top score is a bit higher, 56 average. I think that is – who is that? Why can't I think of that off the top of my head? Top any position? No, outside back. Is that Uh DMAC. Damien McKenzie, D-Mac, of oh. course. Should have guessed. Returned to form when I said he wasn't going to be that good this year. And, uh, <laughs> and the lowest, the 24th picked, had a 25 <clears throat> average. So that's three points lower than last time. But the average is essentially the same. It's a 36 average compared to a 35. So really, they haven't been any less effective than they were in the past year. And I think probably what we're seeing is there's a bigger bulk in the middle pack of the outside backs. It's it's
2: interesting when we look at this as well. We we talk about value of last last pick. So what the the best in that position compared to what the last in that position of what's getting picked every single week. And you talked about the hookers. So hookers, yes, they're getting more average points this year, but they're also getting a better vault. The first place hooker is getting 32 points better than the eighth place hooker. Hmm. So the the distribution of points is probably sitting a little bit higher. So it's just an interesting thing when you got to consider those sorts of things. Cody Taylor's got 63 points per match. You've got Asafa Amua, 59, 49 for Faenga. So you have some of those big scorers, but they're not all playing every week. We're seeing a lot of chopping and changing um, in that that hooker jersey as well.
1: Yeah, so basically, as we said pre-season though, Cody Taylor was going to be head and shoulders above everyone else. Hmm. The uh, The fly half I thought really interesting. It's just... Richie Mawonga show Will Harrison's performed pretty well but again the Volpe I find massive 26 points between first and eighth you're really getting high high value out of your couple of top fly halves and I think it does become daylight from there so Richie Mawonga 51 point average Will Harrison 41 10 points lower and then you drop another five to James O'Connor so really it's just you either have the couple of players that are scoring well otherwise everyone's pretty even and pretty average.
2: Yep. Look, I think they're the the biggest ones we're looking at through here. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to touch on there, Harry?
1: Props are awful. We designed our platform (laughs) to increase the value of props because we really wanted them to be valuable. But they just suck this year. Their average is 20 points. That's a drop in six per position. So the top prop is only scoring 27 points a game which is eight points lower than last year. And the bottom, they eight, the 16th pick props. So who should be starting every week is on 16 points. It's just not even contributing. Like they just I don't know what it is if they're running less. I feel like last year the props were doing a lot of running. So that could be it. But I I also think you know you're not seeing the likes of Alan Ala Alatoa scoring really well. Tom Robinson no longer scores well. Um, Angus Wagner had a few big games last year Offa Tunga Farsi There's so many big props that we expected to see heaps from And we're just not Angus Bell, another one that's been injured So maybe it's just uh, more a matter of having a few guys out And Offa not really competing for the starting spot like he did last year But it's it's disappointing because I hate seeing a position so undervalued And they really are They've just There's been so much rotation in, in those prop jerseys
2: I'll,
1: I'm going to th- throw you in the deep end here, Mitch you play your fantasy footy any any particular patterns that you've been looking at or anything like that this year
0: I think the pattern that our group had the um, discussion about definitely at the start of the season and it's coming true now is around centers we put a lot of emphasis um, on that first person had the back-to-back picks if you can secure two good centers you'd be really set because there's so few centers that seem to be playing well but as this season's shown like there's not really even one or two centers playing really well like it's those um, Lamar Ioannis and Lynette Browns, you'd expect to be those top few. But um, I haven't seen the exact averages throughout the season, but I'd say Iketao is probably doing as well or better than a lot of those guys. Like, I was just really shocked at how poor the centres are. And I unfortunately factored that in too much with my drafting. Uh, and as you said, the prop's just really low. I thought I was going to be gutted that I didn't have um, alatoa or Tupo, but I've had uh, Harry Johnson Holmes and Michael Alatoa and they've done pretty well um you're flying high there yeah yeah i was, I was stoked for that but I, I thought that was going to be struggle street but um yeah the, the regulars just haven't been dominating so i'd say center's been mm-hmm. the one that we thought there was going to be you know that high caliber um list and if you didn't have them you're screwed but um it's been pretty all over the place i think um who's it richard Kahui. he's probably been one of the better centers and no one even picked him up in our league craziness
2: Yeah, look, I I agree with you. That centre one's interesting. I I probably didn't value, I think, centres very highly. I I try to scrape in and pick them up relatively late because I thought my picks could be useful elsewhere. Mm. If you didn't get, you know, Mape, we already know Enor's out and he's out for, you know, all Super Rugby out there rower. Um, it's a bit tricky after that, you know. Anton Leonard Brown's been good, but I don't know if he's been as good at opportunities. He's, he's dropped down to 20 points uh, on, on average rather than 34.9. He was my ace in the hole. <laughs>
1: like, what the yeah. hell happened there? Yeah. I yeah. was so stoked when I got him,
2: and he's just been awful. Not only you mentioned Richard Kahui, but I think we got to mention Len Iketao. He did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's just gone from strength to strength this year. It was awesome to see him picked in that Wallaby squad last year, and that was off reputation, but he is really proving how valuable and how good he is. So if he's getting picked really before getting much super rugby game time, this guy has obviously got a good work ethic, and he's obviously a smart rugby player by the looks of it.
1: And, look, there the are two other things I would say is, is first of all, the actual lack of centres this year is massive. Like, how many outside backs and fly halves are playing in the centres, which means you're actually just struggling to find a starter every week, which means the guys that are scoring well, again, <clears> become <throat> even more important. And the other one was um, in scrum half. The value of the first to last pick is 33 points. Tate McDermott is a country mile above the next best. He's just... Hands down, the only scrum half consistently worth owning. Lucky I got him. He, Yeah, he just dominates every single week. He's a freak. He's, I, I thought he was a first-round pick. That's how I valued him, and he's paid off. Look, my, my closing point for this one is, despite all the changes, if you look at the average score across all those players, it was 31.4 in 2020. In 2021, it's 31.5, basically the exact same number. So for every drop-in prop or drop-in centre, there's been an equal increase in players like the hookers and the scrum halves. So really interesting to see how this is all happening and I think it'll continue to develop. But I think it definitely shows that you've got to continue to think about your draft tactics and where your picks are. And probably the biggest takeaway, Mitch rightly said, is if you get the opportunity to pick a centre, pick them. Yep,
2: someone to lock in. Where, on that one point, uh, we're not expecting Enor for the rest of Super Rugby Aotearoa, do we? Have we heard anything about updates? How early would you be willing to pick up if you do not have a locked-in solid centre? Are you are you willing to carry one for a week or two play man down, um, knowing that Senlis is going to swoop him up if you don't? Well, it
1: probably depends on your platform as well, right? Like the Draft Rugby platform has a break through the Super Rugby AU finals and the and the. Last round plus the super al altaroa final. So it's two weeks there. So you kind of do get a bit of a grace period there where he could come back and not really cost you much game time. Yep. Mitch, you got
2: anything else you want to add before we uh, see you out the night?
0: Um, I think that's about it. I, I was really impressed with um, the tables he put together for the vault. And I think the point you highlighted at the end was um, the difference of 0.1 in average <laughs> uh, showcases not just uh, how good the rugby has been across the two years, but also uh, how well your system works. So for anyone that's listened to this and for some reason doesn't use draft rugby, I don't know how you would, but um, make sure you jump on because that's showing a lot of consistency in the numbers uh, being picked for all the scores.
2: Yeah, no, I quite like that. You've, you've given us a promotion, mate. You can do it on your pod as much. I know you do most weeks <laughs> anyway. So keep that stuff up and we'll, we'll definitely get you back
1: on.
0: Love it. All Thanks, right, before we really we go, you
1: just gotta tell us who's gonna to top
0: fantasy score this week. Ooh. Oh, geez, that's under pressure. <laughs> um, look, crusaders are back. Uh, so surely it's a crusader. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fair. It. Um that's fair. I, I don't want to say Cody Taylor or Richie because I feel like it's too easy. So I might I might just put in Will Jordan. I don't know if he's top scored around yet, but right. I think he's probably due. I think he's perhaps feeling the pressure of um, bridge coming back. Havili's obviously in good form. Um, he might see this as a chance to really just dominate. So it's not, you know, a, um, an outlandish call, but I think Will Jordan might do it this week. I like it. Very good.
2: You know, I think that's good. Harry, what are you thinking? Oh, Seve Reese, clearly. <laughs> I mean, that, that's fair. Look, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go something different. I'm going to go a Grumby. Uh, I don't know who I'm going to do yet. Look, I'm going to do a man that did a lot for me in previous years but hasn't, you know, risen as much this year, Flau I, I think he's going to be massive this week. Uh, against the Tars, you know, we're, we're going to potentially be lacking some locks. Our, you know, scrum defence, our driving more defence, we're going to have big issues. So Falafanga, I think, you know, lock him in for a hat-trick.
1: Yeah, the only thing stopping Falafanga scoring 100 points this week is if they don't actually go for rolling balls because they get bored of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They want to show they can score elsewhere. All right. On that note, thank you very much for coming on the pod, Mitch. It's been great having you on, mate. We really enjoy your insights and uh, and keep on with the Rugby Fixation because it, I've, I'm really enjoying listening to it every week as well. Your yeah, Player interviews, your round reviews. It's been great. And in oh. your, your stat
2: insights and things, I think that that's adding a lot, not just for fantasy managers. I think it's just really good to, to see the comparisons of, you know, different teams and, and how they're sort of attacking different things
0: like that. So keep when, that stuff up. When's your Rugby Pass show start? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, Are you on uh, or just having <laughs> a <laughs> sneaky discussion? Ne- need the insight. No, look, what, what I'm keen for actually is um, something that uh, another podcast, uh, Gold Digger, flowed by was um, yep. potentially getting a, all the Aussie podcasts together and doing a bit of a crossover show. Uh, and I've been liking having chats with you guys both on this pod and on mine and um, the Pick and Drive guys as well. So, um, look, I think Australian rugby is just really alive and flourishing at the moment. So I've I've been able to talk about it um with a mic in front of my hand as opposed to just annoying people at work, which is nice. But um, look, I've enjoyed this chat, enjoyed um, getting to use a drive rugby platform, getting a chance to actually talk about it instead of just boring people with numbers. So thanks for having me on. No problem, mate. Loved it. No worries, mate. Hey, See you later.